Peace to you. Welcome to The Naked Truth. And um, the reading for today. Let's pick up where we left off in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 24. It's the last chapter in this book. Um, we already saw what were supposedly David's last words, at least according to the way uh, the New King James Version that I'm reading from um, has it written. So that's sort of like, it's not the scripture, it's the, it's, it's the Bible maker's way or editor's way of letting us know they believe that um, that's the pertinent title to the section of the passage of verses that we're reading. So it's not like it's actual scripture, even though it's in the Bible, but um, it seemed to say that that was the um, David's last words, but we see now more things that are happening after that. So I guess the things um, are more listed as something like, um, I don't know, maybe it was after he'd already left or and the, there, it was like a summary of the things that he said before he passed away in the last chapter. Um, but we see more events of his life here in verse 20, chapter 24. So anyway, let's read on. So verse 1. Again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he moved David against them to go num number Israel and Judah. So, like Regret said again and again, it's a time where I think it's just the way of um, the either David, if it's him who's written it, or the narrator, scribe, who's passed along the message uh, to us. It's their way of letting us know that this is who the person at each time uh, referred to as their God, who they were worshiping. And it, like we've said before, it takes many different names. It is many different names and words that gets trans get translated to the words Lord and God in English in the Bible. So um, in this case, for instance, it's back to Jehovah in this, in this instance of the word Lord. We saw recently where El was the deity that was being referred to. Um, so just something to keep in mind. And for some reason, one other thing about this verse is it seems it upsets the Lord. And I'm just saying Lord because that's how it's translated in English. gets upset when people want to do a census. Even though there have been census done before. Um, at least um, once before. And we know they're still happening again. I guess it's okay for the um, the um, foreigners, for the Gentiles to do censuses, do census taking, but um, it seems like it's an outrage when um, the deity they're worshiping sees them numbering the people. Maybe I guess because it's like a challenge to the prophecy that was given at um, some books ago when. Uh, when Abraham, I think it was, was promised that he would um, not only be the father of many nations, but he'd have a descendant like the sand of the sea or like the stars in heaven or something like that to that effect, that they'd be countless. And so when people say, well, let's count us all and see, and then you see, well, it's a lot of people, but at most it's a few hundred thousand men at most. Um, so it's not uh, even like it is now, billions and billions of people back then. So maybe in that sense, I could see why an, an entity, a deity, would get feisty 
over being challenged that way. But for whatever reason, it seems like that's what the narrator, whoever it is, is letting us know that they believe um, is what upset the Lord to um, the fact that the people uh, added David on into doing a census. Verse 2, so the king said to Joab, the commander of the army, who was with him, now go throughout all the tribes of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, and count the people, that I may know the number of the people. So that's what we call a census. He's telling his military commander to go and count up the people and see and do a census. Verse 3, just like the government does a census in modern times. Verse 3, and Joab said to the king, now may the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times more than there are, and may the eyes of my Lord the king see it. But why does my Lord the king desire this thing? So Joab still seems like he's loyal, loyal at least uh, with his tongue and the things that he's saying in his dealings with David. We've seen David be actually quite treacherous and not um, nearly as uh, con consistently uh, faithful to those who are faithful to him consistently. Um, I guess that just lets us know he's a flawed individual like everyone. His flaws are just probably uh, just as obvious as mine are. So um, anyway, Joab is saying, oh, okay, well, I'll do the census for you and God bless you and I'm sure there'll be a hundred times more than you think. Um, but what's got this on your mind. What do you want to have a census for? Verse 4, nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab and against the captains of the army. Therefore, Joab and the captains of the army went out from the presence of the king to count the people of Israel. So um, even though Joab gave some lip about um, doing a census, uh, the king overruled, overruled him and uh, had a census done. Verse 5, and they crossed over the Jordan and camped in Aurora on the right side of the town, which is in the, which is in the midst of the ravine of Gad and toward Jazer. So um, uh, these areas we've read through before, they're in the sort of uh, Holy Land district um, and surrounding the Jordan River. Verse 6, then they came to Gilead and to the land of Tatum Hashi, Hadshi. They came to Dan Jan and around the side and so of course please forgive me if I butcher for mispronouncing any of these. Um so if you want to use a biblical map you can see the areas that it's saying they were moving through there with those names. Verse seven and they came to the stronghold of Tyre and to all the cities of the Hivites and the Canaanites, then they went out to South Judah as far as Beersheba. So some of these areas still exist in modern times. Uh, the civilizations are long gone, like the Hivites and the Canaanites are long gone, but the areas, Beersheba, Tyre, those are still around um, now. Um, so it lets us know these are areas that are millennia old, and they're for a few hundred years old. Um, but um, these places are thousands and thousands of years old. Verse 8. So when they had gone through all the, the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and 20 days. So they walked through the area and did a census. Then Joab gave the sum of the number of the people to the king, 
And there were in Israel 800,000 valiant men who drew the sword. And the men of Judah were 500,000 men. So um, notice they're just counting the men. That's an example of patriarchy. The women don't even get mentioned in this case. Um, so that's how they counted the census. And they've come up with 1,300,000 men. This is my math right here. 800,000 plus 500,000. Yeah, so 1,300,000 men is how many you got. So um, that's how they counted it. And since most people are under religious rules of theocracy, um, most likely at least half, if not more than almost all the men were married. So if there's one point, if there's 1.3 million, 1.3 million men, half of them are married, then you're almost to 2 million people, couples, uh, and single people. And then if they just had a child, even one of them in those had, in that half had just one child, it's two and a half million people. So it's a lot of people, um, almost certainly, since um, um, just by the estimates of counting the men. But it's a disservice done to the people that the women don't get counted. It's a shame that the patriarchy's price, it hurts even the patriarchs. It hurts the males. It hurts the men. It doesn't just hurt women, just like white supremacy doesn't just hurt black people. It hurts white people, too. It's unfortunate that a lot of people don't realize that. Uh, verse 10, and David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I've sinned greatly in what I've done. But now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I've done very foolishly. So David is having a heart to heart with a prayer to the Lord, saying he realizes he's sinned. He's in the wrong, and he wants some forgiveness. Verse 11, now when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, so instead of the Lord having direct uh, conversation with David now, it seems here it's being mentioned specifically that there's a middleman, there's a seer, or someone who can see, literally, um, but it's beyond the um, vision that we can see. It's like a visionary in a supernatural sense, able to be in contact and see realms that other people are not able to or open to um, seeing a prophet in plain English, I guess. Um, so that's who is used in this instance. And instead of a, a God going directly to David, he's using a prophet. Maybe there's a reason. Let's see. Verse 12. Go and tell David, thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself that I may do it to you. So, um, again, the Lord here seems like a very gangster move to um, give someone the choice of what kind of punishment they want to get. Um, if this, if America were as uh, trying to be like God as it pretends to, it would consider something like that. It would consider a lot of the things that are actually in the Bible. If you're going to... Um, be told, judge not that you be not judged, but you decide to judge people anyway, then um, there's a way to do it if you're going to do it. Then you, instead of life sentences um, for um, some things, some things could be corrected with and made sure they won't be repeated again with, say, like castration, for instance. 
instead of the death penalty. Castrations, which cure a lot of cravings and desires that people have, usually men, males, to um, carry out uh, aggressive behaviors. And people should be given the choice then. Get the choice of your um, uh, some probation with your freedom with the castration or the death sentence and just be waiting on death for all of those years because it's usually years. It's that cruel. Um, something like that. If you're going to have a death sentence, just my opinion. Um, so anyway, David is saying here, um, he's getting the message here from the Lord through the prophet Gad and being told he's going to get three choices um, as a punishment for himself. To, as, so he gets to judge. So all of this, as I've said again and again, is contrary to what the New Testament tells us, that no one's heard from the Lord, at Lord's voice at any time, no one's seen the Lord's form at any time. Um, so um, make sense of it how best you can if you've read with me before. You know, I make sense of it with the Christian side of it. That's the part for me in the Bible um, as far as uh, you know, I, and it goes for me to read letters. So verse 13, so Gad came to David and told him, and he said to him, shall seven years of famine to you in your land? Or shall you flee three months before your enemies while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days plague in your land? Now consider and see what answer I should take back to him who sent me. So now the Lord is doing, if you believe this is the Lord doing this, uh, again, like I just said, contrary to what the New Testament tells us, but if you believe this is the Lord interacting this way, it doesn't sound like a Lord who um, is, um, is consistently uh, unbiased, because why wouldn't everyone get those sort of choices then? Why would other evil alternatives like the wicked justice system in America that is rooted in slavery and racism with the whole um, slave patrols and whatnot. Um, and so why would something like that be glorified and called Christian when it's contrary to what Christ says and it's not consistent with what even the Old Testament, one of the Old Testament religions suggests? It suggests options here if you're going to truly be godly and wielding power over people give people choices over what it is they want their punishment to be since they recognize that they were wrong, since that's what repentance is about. And that seems to be what David has done. Verse 14, and David said again, great distress. Mm, I have to read this one because if you've read with me before, you know how I feel about just saying anything. Um, and if you read this verse, read it for yourself verse 14 feel free to read it out loud for yourself and understand what it is David is saying he's saying he's in great distress and that he wants collectively the people to fall into the hands of the Lord for his mercies are great uh, but do not let me fall into the hands of man so um, he's not just he's He's very generous with the punishment that's going to be passed out, not so much with the power he's wielded. He's saying that uh, let him and the people who were counted, since it was a census of the people, but it was a census he ordered 
And for whatever reason, again, that upsets the Lord. Um, so instead of him saying, well, let it be on him, he's saying, let him and the people fall into the hand of the Lord. That's why I'd suggest you be careful. If you read that verse out loud, you'll be counted with them and the people falling into the hand of the Lord. And he's saying, he's saying it very slyly saying, because he knows the Lord is merciful, merciful, which is true. Um, but he, and the last part is very wise. He's saying, but do not let him, the part, him specifically, fall into the hand of man. So uh, he ends his answer with uh, three answers. He's got three choices. He gave three answers. One answer is, let the distress fall on him and the people. So make sure the people suffer along with him. The second part was uh, some praise was his answer that he knows that God is merciful. Um, but he adds that second answer with the third, uh, be merciful um, and uh, don't let him get caught up with men. Don't let uh, a man's hand be what's over him. Don't let him fall into the judgment of people because people can be pretty wicked. Verse 15, so the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from the morning till the appointed time from Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men and the people died. So if you're to believe this is God Almighty that they're interacting with, it seems pretty rough that all the people did was be counted. Um, yet you see here that Jehovah is making all the people pay for David's decision to count them. Um, it, killing off 70,000 men of the people. And um, it doesn't say if that's just a, it says from Dan to Beersheba. So that's both Israel and Judah. It's all of the tribes paying collectively. Uh, not quite 10%, I guess. Uh, if we have 1.3 million people, 70,000 isn't that many, uh, but it's a lot. Um, so the Lord sent a plague uh, upon the people. That's terrible. Uh, did we read that verse? Yeah, we did. Verse 16. And when the angel stretched out his hand over Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people, It is enough. Now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Arnon, the Jebusite. So um, it seems that in this instance, we have an angel that's hovering around the action of what's going on with uh, in the moment of the people being slaughtered. 70,000 people, that's almost, uh, uh, that's a good chunk of people. Um, let's see. That's about 6% of people. Maybe like 6% of the population, that's a lot of people. Uh, killed just like that because David decided to have a census and they got counted. Um, but we're to believe that this is the Lord Almighty who loves everyone equally um, and tells us thou shalt not kill and doesn't punish people when they kill each other like in war, but kills them if they get counted in a census. It just doesn't sound like God Almighty to me, but again, to be what you want. Um, the Lord, and again, that's just because I read. Um, has an angel, it seems, the angel of death being sent out 
to whack some people and take them out when these moments happen, when the Lord lashes out at them. Um, and now we're being introduced to um, a threshing floor. That's basically where they handle wheat and grains, I believe, um, of someone named Aranon on the Jebusite. It sounds a whole lot like something from the X-Men. Verse 17, then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Surely I have sinned, and I've done wickedly. These sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, be against. Then you can read the last of that verse for yourself. He's saying now, after the people are dead, that okay, 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 it's enough. He's the one who did the sin. Why should the people pay for his sin? He's saying, go ahead and turn your anger on him and his family instead. And again, not willing to take it out on himself, but have his family now also be included in the punishment that he sees the Lord is doling out for his actions. So why should anybody else take um, part in his sin if it was his sin? All the people did was get counted. Verse 18, and Gad came to, and Gad came that day to David and said to him, go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arnon the Jebusite. So, <clears throat> excuse me, the city of Jerusalem used to be called Jebus. So um, Arnon's in, uh, someone who lives in Jerusalem. Um, so it's the same area and it's that same person's threshing floor, floor that David has now been given the order to build an altar at. Verse 19, so David, according to the word of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. So now we have the prophet interacting, giving messages to David and now even Aranon, someone else, um, of what's going on in the big picture of things, if you believe this is the God Almighty. Verse 20, now Aranon looked and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. So Aranon went out and bowed before the king, put his face to the ground. So notice what's happening here, because this kind of rings a bell from it, when I read it before. So now you have someone, this Aranon, being very respectful of the governmental agencies, the political systems, David, and the corruption that he's caused to uh, be fall on the land for his behavior. But he's still running out, about a knee and kiss the boot to him, um, ignoring the angel, the supernatural element that's there, killing the people, carrying out the judgment that God sent the angel to go out and do if you're um, believing that that's God and maybe he knew that it wasn't God maybe he didn't believe it was God and he recognized it was some sort of supernatural power but not God's um, doing maybe we'll see um, but it seems strange because anyone else I would think would be moved shaken by the poltergeist showing up Killing the people off um, more so than even the president showing up at your doorstep or um, passing by. But maybe you recognize one more readily than the other. So I don't know. Let's see. Verse 21. Then Aradon said, why has my Lord the king come to his servant? And David said to buy the threshing floor from you to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. So um, the pandemic killing people, uh, the plague that's wiping out thousands and thousands of people. To stop it, it seems, David has been told that the Lord wants him to build an altar 
that that's what'll stop the plague. Not medicine, not prayer, not fasting, nothing like that. Build an altar. Verse 22, now Aaron said to David, let my lord the king take an offer of whatever seems good to him. Look, here are oxen for burn up sacrifice and threshing implements and the yokes of the oxen for wood. So Arna is very generous to the king. He's offering him anything he needs to make the offering. And don't worry about buying the threshing floor from him. He can have it. Verse 23. All these, O king, Arnon has given to the king. And Arnon said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. So Arnon is very generous. He's giving the king all that he's got. And the king can burn it up if he wants to. He's telling him, make offer it all if you want as a burnt offering. Um, you can have it. And um, he's even praying for him, saying that and the, he hopes the Lord accepts your offering. Verse 24, then the king said to Arnon, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, for I will offer, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. So David brought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. So we see David showing, at least according to the narrator here, a very noble side of himself that instead of just uh, taking the donuts because he's a, a, a paid political official or governmental official, a fat cat, instead of just taking everything that everyone's offering him, instead he's telling the um, the person, Arnon, who sees the plague going on. He even sees the angel who's carrying out the plague. He's not moved by that at all, but he's moved enough to offer all that he has, his threshing floor there, his business basically, to uh, David, the king, to go ahead and stomp on it and burn it up if he more needs to as a burnt offering to the Lord. Um, and the king instead is saying, no, I'll pay for it from you. I don't want you giving it to me. I don't want to offer. Uh, what, what, how valuable could an offering be if it means if it didn't cost me anything? But I think I remember that from the Young and the Restless. Victor Newman said that if you give away something for free, free people be, begin to to devalue. People begin to doubt its value. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but it makes sense. And so, um, it it was it. It show more value, he believes, in God's eyes if he um, actually had to come out of his pockets to pay for it and then burn it up. And he, so he paid 50 shekels of silver. Verse 25, And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. So, um, all he had to do was make a burnt offering, and that's what pleased the Lord enough to end the plague that was falling on all of the land. That's uh, amazing. Uh, and yet, do churches still do that? Do they make um, burnt offerings to move the Lord to end the plagues? Like, I'm sure some must have did it with the pandemic that just went by. Or, you know, that's that we're re that we're only now getting through, I would think that there must be some church out there that offers burnt offerings and whatnot in modern times. Um, they probably just don't advertise it very openly. I don't know. Um, I wonder how effective it is. 
I don't know. So anyway, we see that um, those were supposedly David's last words in chapter 23. But we read here in chapter 24, David has more words. David has more activities going on. David caused the whole hullabaloo that caused 70,000 people to die. Um, and now David's making amends for it by building an altar, buying an altar, buying some property from someone and building an altar on their property. Amazing. So property is uh, where David's blessing was in this chapter. That was the last verse of this chapter. So let's go in this reading. Thank you for joining me for the Naked Truth. I hope it finds you well and God bless you. Love you and I'll see you next time. Peace be with you.